0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On the Behind the Mask podcast, we have some of the greatest athletes to ever play the game and some of your well-known celebrities. We are discussing a wide range of topics including fatherhood, relationships, business ventures, social issues, and untold stories. On the Behind the Mask podcast, there's only one rule there are no rules
1: the greatest asset as a christian and a corner greatest one was the ability to get over a bad play mm-hmm. too many people live their lives looking through the small rearview mirrors mm-hmm. instead of the huge windshield let's go behind the mask a guy asked me when i was i was thinking about the hall of fame speech and um, he said, "He said, what do you want people to remember? Begin with the end of mind, die empty. Mm-hmm. Die empty meaning most people go to the grave full with their potential. I literally, if you had asked me my freshman and sophomore year at Southern, if you had asked me my freshman and sophomore year at Southern, do you know you have the ability to be a, a pro football Hall of Fame cornerback? I would've thought you were crazy. See, that's mind boggling <laughs> I would've thought you were crazy, right? So all of a sudden now, and that, and when you're young, you have to believe things are possible. And particularly things are possible that you keep seeing radiating your heart. Like the head will, will mess you up because the head based off reason of what other people have done, right? But when you get in here, you start getting an a, a, a inkling about something that won't go away. And who can you tell it to, right? So first, you got you to gotta make sure you protect it, because not everybody sees that. Most people just live in lies of minutia. I mean, mm-hmm. they just hoping to survive. We will never put here to survive as humans. Animals survive. We're so, supposed to thrive. But you thrive when you get to your purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, we just randomly take behind a mask, do a mic, and maybe you guys should do this. Go down the street and just ask people, what's your purpose? You'd be shocked what you get, and most people, him and her, and they say a bunch of stuff. They have no clue. But if we look around this room, there is nothing in here that does not have a purpose, yes. and we know pretty much the purpose. A chair, these chairs, if they could talk, would say they would be the happiest chairs in the world. They would have fulfillment. They wouldn't need any fulfillment decoy. Why? A chair was cre- was made to hold a person's weight in a seated position. Mm-hmm. When we sit down, this chair, this chair is fulfilling its potential. I was, part of what I was created to do was to be able to communicate. I can communicate getting out, get out the bed. And, and then I pray for understanding so I can understand stuff because nothing is truly yours until you understand it. If you don't, I, I wanna, I gotta understand. When I sit here, I understand what's here. I understand your heart. I know you, I know you, you and I has got to know it. I know the work you're doing in Atlanta. Right, mm-hmm. so I know the passion. This is not a, a what I call some fictitious. Fixi- fixi- uh, fetic- let me let me use a better word. This is not some show for show. This is stuff substantive, of substance, of substance. Of substance right, right. On. And guess what? We don't realize this, but humans bear witness to humans. That's why you can pick up on somebody who's not real, right? Right. Because we have the the spoken. Or what's said, but we have, believe it or not, internal heart read, right? Mm-hmm. We have something that can read hearts, mm. and so when you're around people, it'll pull out. Like the question you're asking me, this is being pulled out, yeah. right? Right. I didn't come in here with a speech. I didn't come in here even knowing not even the script. What right. we were talking about, right? Right. And I had to get comfortable, even as I <clears throat> teach, even as I communicate. I used to always try to be like somebody else even as a pastor, like this, 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 and this. And I have a structure. But then when I listen to Lil Wayne and I heard him, this song, and I'm necessarily prescribed all my, my little homeboys music. <laughs> but in these songs and these raps, a lot of times are truths that sometimes people call secular music miss messages Because the brilliance in humanity is in people. It, we just decide whether we're going to use it in a perverted way. Whether we're going to enhance humanity without gift or pervert it. Mm-hmm. Whether we're going to help others progress or we're going to help them digress, right? right. So one day he said, and I think Jay Z, Sean, called it the same way. He said, I, he said, I don't, I don't write, write it down, right? Mm-hmm. It, it flows from within. Now, I study all week and pray. But when I teach, I got a structure, but I don't have to write it down. Like what I'm talking about right now, I don't have to write this down. Begin with the end of my diet empty. I had the whole stadium say that. And I was just at McDonald's and he had a guy looked like he was homeless. He came up to me. He said, You, you, you can, you, you ain't a nice. You know, they call me all kinds of stuff, right? It's a me us, all right? just so y'all know that, right?
0: Ain't a nice. Right? So
1: he had this back. I thought he was a homeless guy. I've been seeing him the past couple of days. His name is Gregory. He came up to me and he said, You, you ain't a nice. He said, I said, yes. And I said, well, what's your name? He says, Gregory. He, and you know what he said walking out? He said, man, your Hall of Fame speech was amazing. Mm. That's what that guy said. That was wow. 2014. And begin with it in mind. In other words, man, think about what was in your heart. Write that stuff down. Die empty. Go to the grave empty. Too many of us are going to the grave with the potential mm. still in us. I don't know when you decide this, but this was in you. I don't know when y'all decided to do it. Somewhere, somebody thought of this. Yeah. yeah. And then somebody yeah. believed it was possible, so you start taking steps. So what i like to share with people, once you go after your purpose, God has already set up people to help you. You told me y'all ran into each other. Right. At, uh, at uh, Chris. Yeah. Right? Chris Beside. Uh, Kingdom Inn. Yeah. We were at an event. Yeah, together. You see the producer, right? Is that yeah. producer title? Is that? Connections. Why? Because you already had something in mind that you were thinking. So now all the world has been set up to aid those who get to their purpose. Right. You don't have to kick doors down. they open.
0: Follow what's pulling you. Absolutely. Right.
1: Yeah. And be bold enough because most people are not.
0: Mm-hmm. And You have so many lessons that you've learned from your spirituality mm-hmm. and that translates to your life. I'm sure it translated to football. But tell us some of the lessons that you've learned from football. Absolutely. That also translates to your life.
1: Football is the—it's the first of all, so many people, and I share this with the guys today. So many people don't realize football started in Ivy League schools. Mm. It was never a dumb brute man sport. Football was an intellectual sport. It was a sport that was created to help young men learn war strategies. And when I talk to these guys in the Hall of Fame, once you get to the NFL, it's one percent of high school. So everybody's dealing with it. These guys who were in the hall, a lot of these cerebral guys, like, you think about it. Like, I was study, And uh, the unique thing about studying is you prepare a strategy uh, tendencies. Mm-hmm. It, you learn to pay attention to things. What I learned for football, number one, overcome fear, man. I used to be afraid. So I was defensive. I was, I was drafted in the third round. I was voted NFC Defensive Player of the Year. I had, an, I had another good year, my second and third year. After my third year at Tequil, I was a, a restricted free agent. They fired Coach Joe Bugle, hired Coach Buddy Ryan, Rex and Rob's dad. I was, my wife and I had just gotten married. She was getting an MBA at the University of Illinois. I told my wife, when Buddy got the job, I'm not going back to Arizona. And like wives typically do, ask a little more questions, right? I thought I would just say, well, I'm not going back, let's right? But why is there a tendency, which is great, to pull out and ask additional questions? And I said, because I, I heard he's not a player's coach, which wasn't true at all. There was something going on here. And then she said, is that really? I said, no, actually, I don't think I could play in this system. And even though I played man-to-man in college, Led the nation in interceptions with 11, all that was good. At the pro level, I didn't think I could play in Buddy's defense because it's predominantly one-on-one. They say cornerbacks on the island. Mm -hmm. So finally my wife said, no, but what's in your heart? I said, well I sense we should go back. She said, well let's pray, let's be be in agreement we do it. And I did, I decided to go back. Rob Ryan and Rex, uh, Buddy Ryan's two, uh, his sons, the twins. It was the first time they had gotten a pro job and they got it with their dad. Rob was my defensive back coach, had coached against me at Tennessee State. As Soon as I signed back, went to Arizona, flew to Arizona, signed a contract, Rob Ryan puts his arms around me. He says, Aeneas, you can be a pro bowler, all pro, you can lead this league in interceptions. I saw you do it in college. That's all you needed to hear. Once again, the power of coaching, Mm -hmm. right? The power of people and authority to be able to speak into somebody who's not sure they can do it, Mm -hmm. but just like Brian Thomas said in such a way where I may have not believed it, but I believe it on the strength of a person with some credibility. And guess what? First year I made Pro Bowl, first year I made All-Pro, first year I led the league in interceptions. And Buddy, who uh, many people know from the great 85 Bears, Mm -hmm. was their defense coordinator. Also, he was the head coach at one time in Philadelphia. Always had great defenses. Rob, his brother, convinced Buddy to do something Buddy had never done, and that was to put a corner on the best receiver. Prior to that, Buddy would always keep his corners left and right. Mm. So literally, what Darrell did, what Rex did with Darrell Revis, was what his dad did with me in Arizona. Mm. And here I am, not even thinking I can do it. But what did that do? That put pressure to get out of me what I didn't even know was in me. See, when when
0: you look at that, and you look at when you were in Arizona, i played on a lot of teams. You know, you play in small market teams, but then you play on small market teams that are not good. Yeah.
1: Come on, say yeah. it. Why is he trying to present <laughs> this as good. such a no, pretty I'm just.
0: But, but, <laughs> like, he knows. but like, I went through the struggle, bro. And like, to me, I think that's one of the most fascinating things. It's it's many different layers to you. Very obvious. But one of the, the one that I want to ask you about is, you look at the time spent, what, 10 years in? 10 years Arizona. In Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, y'all only maybe had, what, one winning season? One. One winning season. Mm -hmm. And so, and you became ultimately one of the best cornerbacks in the game. Mm -hmm. All decade. All decade, team. How did you keep going, knowing that the culture is what it is? Mm -hmm. Either when you walk into a locker room, you say, and I know this is how it was for me when I walked in Cincinnati's locker room, you're either going to be part of the culture or you're going to be a solution to the problem to fix the culture. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find out what does the right looks like mm-hmm. knowing my history. I was impressed with that, looking at your, your tenure mm-hmm. there. How did you keep going after it was so many, I know, the, the persuasive messages,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, the culture was bad. What motivated you every day to keep going?
1: Well, one... Um like I can say it succinctly with something people remember, It'd be a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermometer goes up and down based on the temperature. We were losing, no doubt about it. But there's a difference between losing and becoming a loser. A thermostat sets the temperature. So after my third year, I knew I needed to improve. And I sought out a guy by the name of Gil Bird, going back to mentorship now. Gil Bird was an all pro cornerback uh, with the San Diego Chargers. And I'd heard a lot of good things about him on and off the field, how he was with his family, just a great man on and off the field. Bobby Jackson, a running back coach, told me about Gil. So we played Gil, my third year, we played the Chargers. After the game, I went to Gil and I said, Gil, can I get your phone number? I would like to call you. So I ended up calling him, and then he was surprised I called because so many young guys don't reach out to veterans He was eight years, nine years ahead of me, uh, but had led the league in interceptions, and Gil was quote unquote a slower corner, big guy, but he was very good. So I called him and I said, Gil, can can I come out to San Diego and spend some time with you? I want to learn. So my wife Tracy and I literally went, and we stayed, Maryland is his wife's name, his son Jerry's Bird played in the league, like my little nephew. We went to his house, stayed with him. Gil took me to the Chargers facility. Now, this is going into my fourth year. So all this transition going on. He takes me to the Chargers facility. The first question he asked, he said, um, what's your philosophy as a cornerback? I said, philosophy as a cornerback? I never heard anybody ask that. I said, what is this, Aristotle? Or what's, what's the <laughs> philosophy? I said, don't get beat. He said, exactly. That's why I got, most guys get beat. I said, what do you mean? He says, when you see guys running next to you've seen this, and you probably yell at your DBs in practice. He's running next to the guy, Mm -hmm. and instead of turning around, you're yelling at the TV, turn around, right? Because the ball is in there. He's so focused on this guy, either he gets past him in the fence, call on him, or the guy catches the ball on him. Mm -hmm. And you're frustrated. Well, what guys don't realize, this DB, all his life been taught, don't get beat. So he's not thinking about the ball, he's thinking Mm -hmm. about the man. Mm -hmm. Gil said, no, the philosophy is he got to beat me. I said, it sounds like a play on words. He says it's not a play on words. He literally got to beat you. And then, I remember Ty Law said, I've never seen a, a fast guy run his best 100 meter time with somebody in his lane, right? So DB causes obstruction. Mm. So Gil told me that, so that changed my philosophy. He said, when the ball's in the air, and I was an interceptor, but I never had that philosophy. He said, when the ball's in the air, you have just as much opportunity to catch it as they do. Got it. He said, when you study, he sat down and taught me how to study film. See this this common thread here? Brian Thomas, track, right, faster, Mm -hmm. right? See this common thread here. I didn't tell you about Maurice and Kevin, uh, who are my mentors, um, who were in the pros cornerback that I was working out with, both from New Orleans, older than me. Was around those guys. That's when I found out your environment will change you before you change it. So going back to your question, how did I not become a loser? I had a winning mentality. And the winning mentality is, I didn't necessarily have the coaches, I had decent coaches, but I didn't have some that could teach me the nuances. And you can't allow yourself to be limited to what's around you. You literally have to get out your comfort zone, call people that you don't know, and ask them, can they help you? Gil taught me how to study film. He says, Aeneas, from the film study you study, there are gonna be at least two plays that you're gonna know in the game, at least, probably more than that. He said, but we never guess. We always anticipate. So I can tell you I have over 60-something interceptions, 55 regular season a six postseason, a number of touchdowns.
0: 13.
1: 13, yeah. yes. fumble recovers and all of that. I began to learn that practice was the game. Mm. And all the game was was more people watching what you do every day in practice. So excellent was never event. So one of the characteristics I notice on losing teams is guys get excited when they're playing on prime, in prime games, right? They practice differently, yes. Yes. right? They got a different... Go harder. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? They go harder. <laughs> they, all, they, they all shine. Slanged up right? and everything. Right, right. Like, well, well, man, this
0: joke ain't exactly. playing.
1: He, ain't, he ain't made no deposits throughout the week. <laughs> right, but it's Monday night, so now it's a whole different vibe that's losing teams. Why? Because they are... It's subjective to who's watching. Mm. But when you become a thermostat, excellence is every day. It's never, ever, ever acceptable for a guy to catch a pass. I don't care if it's a walkthrough.
0: Mm. And I've heard stories about you yeah. in that. They say you wouldn't even let nobody catch a pass and walk
1: through. I'm not. That, I don't want that mental picture. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. And it, it, this, it's, it's a habit. It, you gotta understand how the mind works. I mean, you literally got to understand the mind has a tendency to remember the negative longer than the positive. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got to you got to you got to control that. So even I would walk around and punch balls out. The guys who substitute the balls in and out during game day, they had to be high and tight (laughs) because in the middle of the game, I punch the balls out. In the game. In the game. They be scrambling around right. while the, the boy game going
0: fly on. Because
1: always you, you always it becomes a part of who you are. If I, I want I need to learn to focus. So when I was driving, I pay attention to the license plate in front of me. So you you begin to learn these things. So now Gil teach me. Then the other thing Gil said, he said, the things I'm gonna teach you, the is gonna slow down. I was doing a podcast with Emmy Smith. He said, Neil, you ever hear all these guys say the game is fast? He said, Yeah, he says it's fast, because they don't know what they're doing. When you don't know what you're doing, you don't know your keys, I'm watching guys, linebackers, you know this, yeah. they're keys. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the keys, you're just a talented guy that eventually teams on game plan, you're gonna lose. Right? Mm-hmm. But you know the keys, you don't go off all the distractions, right? Oh, we got a screen they call the old, I don't know if y'all call it the, We. it's the old. S-screen. Yeah, the old. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? yeah I know yeah. you don't go there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But for the language, I want y'all to know, it's called the old oh shit screen. <laughs> yeah. And they call it that because you've gotten fooled. Uh-huh. Right, you go and rush the quarterback and you realize, well, oh shit! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and as long we down the field exactly. like a runaway yeah. bed truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So guess what, that's football, but when you ask me about how does it relate to life, yeah. there's some moments in your life, particularly as you're younger and you're learning that you think something is, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, right? But the good thing is, you learn from those things. Mm-hmm. And you learn from those things, when they get you on that screen, coach come now, next week, now you're listening. Now you already know, hey man, this thing was diagnosed before it ever happened. Yep. So you should have never been in this situation, right? But you learn that from film study. The other thing you talked about from football is learning my greatest asset here, how about this? The greatest asset as a Christian, and a corner, greatest one, was the ability to get over a bad play. Mm-hmm. Too many people live their lives looking through the small rear view mirrors mm-hmm. instead of the huge windshield mm. that's before them. It's the reason why it's bigger, right? Absolutely. And you got, there's nobody here except one person, at least that's documented, that made in this body perfect. All the rest of us, all the rest of us, we already know we got some kind of flaw. You ain't talking tell me about your flaw. All of us probably got something going on in our lives. A lot of great stuff, then we got some stuff we mm-hmm. probably trying to deal with, yep. which is called a human factor. So the ability to get over a bad play, learn from it, and move on. And not allow that to dictate your future. It'll only dictate your future if you allow it to.
0: On the Behind the Mask podcast, we, we like to go deep and find out, like, what, like, what, what's really like pulling at you from the inside, or like, what are some of your deepest desires? A little fun segment. If you had the opportunity, I'm gonna ask you a few questions. If you had the opportunity to play one more game, hmm. and you could pick any player from any decade to start your team off
1: with, wow. who would that one guy be, and why? First guy to come to my mind is Willie Lanier. One of the, even today, he embodies intelligence.
0: Linebacker, Kansas
1: City Chiefs. His his tone, his awareness, his self-awareness, his leadership, his understanding of people and human beings, his respect for people, his respect for the game. I can sit, when I'm at the Hall of Fame, you mentioned something, and I I rarely say what I'm getting ready to say. If you look at the Hall of Fame who make it, a lot of it has to do with guys who are on winning teams. It's it's rare when you're you're predominantly your career from losing teams. That that says a lot. But the second thing is Willie talks about how important uh, the game was, almost dying, him, almost dying, uh, being uh, wrongly diagnosed with an injury. I think early in his career, and then learning that because of the diagnosis, if he didn't change the way he played the game, he could not play the game. So that fierce linebacker changing the way he tackled, Mm -hmm. changing the way his head wasn't in the tackle because of something that he physically had experienced that he knew, the doctors knew, if he didn't play the game in such a way, if he had did it reckless just to hit, to punish, and not intelligently, he would have never had the career that he had. So Willie Lanier would be that guy.
0: Willie Lanier.
1: Yes, sir. Nice. The second thing, <clears throat> if
0: you could travel anywhere in the world, which you probably can, <laughs> but you choose to make sure that you're in places to where you're needed, uh, where would that be?
1: Oh, man. I can tell you where I've been that...
0: What's on that bucket list that you're looking forward to hitting one day?
1: Well, beside where I want to go, the place where I went that I would have wanted to go was Israel. Could not believe the small place, the technology, the innovation, the camaraderie in the place. The uh, threats on all sides, and to be able to speak and realize that um, the it, it was a, a unique place. Not, people always talk about spiritual and you're a Christian going there. That's, that's cool. But that's, it's more than that. It's, it's this small place, not that big. Got fences around it. But yet, the people that embodied this place has impacted the world. I mean, literally, has impacted the world. And then to go there and spend the time there, Robert Kraft, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, took some Hall of Famers there, our wives, significant others, and uh, Joe Montana had his his children there as well. And to baptize 15 of the Hall of Famers, the late Chris Dolman was on that trip, and I baptized him in the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Israel. Man, that's... That's two bucket lists. Love it. Love it.
0: <laughs> and I know you got your, I, I met your son. Yes, Lazarus. Uh-huh. Lazarus. If you had the opportunity, this is what made me think about this. You knowing everything that you know now, your knowledge that you have, and you give it to so many people to try to guide them to find their own purpose in life. If you had the opportunity to go back and speak to your younger self, teenage years, 12, 13 years old, <laughs> What advice would you give yourself?
1: Man, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. You're capable of figuring things out. Um, Whatever you go, go at it to be the best you can and respect other people, but also recognize the greatness in yourself. My dad makes a statement, he says, Son, it's not what what people don't know that hurt them. It's what they do know that's not true. Not what people don't know that hurt them. It's what they do know that's not true. And then, that's what I would say, man. And respect other people and pull other people up. Because just like you're thinking inferior thoughts, other people are. And now that you get the answer and realize you're not inferior at all. Mm that you're capable of developing, spread that to other people who may not have a dad and mom, who may not have somebody speaking into their lives, who may be in situations because of the environment and not had the opportunity and influence that you had. But go back and pull those along. Leaders out front. As a captain, I was always Coach Martz made Marsha and I cap, captains in perpetuity. When he first told us, I had to go look up the word. I didn't know what he was talking about. or <laughs> uh, what he was saying, you no. Know, so when I got traded in my 11th year, the Cardinals franchised me, when Mike Martz and Lovey, defense coordinator, when my wife and I got off the plane in St. Louis, I'll never forget this. I think it was Coach Martz. One of them said, usually, because the Rams had already been winning by that time. They had won the Super Bowl in 99, then they had gone to the playoffs, lost to the Saints. Now Mark, Coach Martz, he was the head coach, and he was changing the whole defense with Lovey, Tampa Bay style. And I never forget. I don't know if it was Coach Martz. He said, uh, most time winning teams don't get older veterans off losing teams. Mm-hmm. Most times they don't do that. He said, but when we put the film on, we never could tell watching you. Mm. We never could tell the score because how you played the game was always the same. So that's what I would tell that younger me. That's what i tell my son. It has nothing to do with the things you can't control. It's the ability to set the, the thermostat first with yourself, and then leaders are out front, not verbalizing it but literally demonstrating what the rest of the troops you want them to do. Great questions.
0: Right on. Man, we appreciate the time, my brother.
1: Man, this is outstanding, it. man. Got to get you back on, too, man. No, thank you guys, man, and thank you for this work, and thank this from taking it out of uh, conception and making it a reality. Tequila, Tequila. King Tut. Is that okay to call you King Tut? That's perfect. It's perfect, yeah. I feel like I should kneel every time I say it, though. <laughs> but, no, thank you, guys. It's real. Thank all of you all. Uh, it's an honor. Keep up the great work, man.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Behind the Mask Podcast. Indulge, share, and subscribe. quality content and we're everywhere we're on youtube make sure you scroll to the bottom click that little bell for notifications we're on google play we're on spotify and we're on apple music even on social media we're gonna make it easy for you follow at the btm podcast for your weekly fixings and remember there's only one rule there are no rules let's Let's go go behind behind the the mask. mask